It's been turned in this time. Andy Hunt with his second goal in two games. Hunt's up there again. It's full for Garner. It's hit the post. Now it's in there. Andy Hunt again. What a dream move this lad's had. Andy Hunt's got a hat trick. Puts it in. It's an equaliser. Agaga's equaliser by Andy Hunt. 1 0 on the night. Andy Hunt gets the goal. Taylor. Chipped in again by Reed. Welcome to the WBA Canada podcast, your home for the latest news and exclusive interviews about the club we love from a Canadian's perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the WBA Canada channel. Today, I'm here with a very, very, very special guest. It's former West Bromwich Albion striker, Andy Hunt. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm great, Baden. Thank you very much for having me and uh, looking forward to chatting with you. Um, that was a lot of very, very, verys. Yeah. How many did you give my strike partner, Paul Pesky Salido? I think I gave him, him a fairly close amount. I you mean, probably gave him a couple more because he's Canadian, right? Yeah, probably. With my guests, my first question always is, just how did you get into soccer? So uh, my, my, my parents were very supportive of me when I was little. Um, and I think I was... Um, I think I, I love the game from, from, you know, when I was, when I could walk. So, um, always kicking a ball. We played a lot of football when, when I was small, we played in, in the, in the school team, the village team. Um, like I said, my father, mum and dad took me to all the games, uh, very supportive. And we played like all week, all weekend, Saturdays, Sundays for, for two different teams. Um, I guess I just loved it and 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 just kept going, you know, and and um, it just became a huge part of my life from from very small playing with my friends, and as I got a little bit older, um, you know, well, actually, I mean, all through my teenage years playing um, at high school, um, playing playing for my local village in the men's team when I was about 13, 14 years old, putting me in the in the centre of defence as a sweeper to uh because I was too obviously too little to play with the men at that age but I was there I was playing um and you know continuing to play uh basically with my friends right up until about 17 I would say yeah. and then and then from there I was I was fortunate enough to sort of jump the levels rapidly uh, not within the professional game, not within the semi-pro game. I was I was outside of that system, um, and uh, but I got spotted later on. Yeah, and then I became a pro. Yeah, so like you said, you started in non-league football, but then you got spotted. Newcastle came in for you. Now, obviously, Newcastle in the '90s went through a great spell obviously getting promoted but for you what was it like to go to Newcastle after uh working so hard and just getting better well I'd played um I was I, okay previously to this I was in college playing in college 
Um, I, I don't think I was really um, standing out too much at that age, um, but um, then uh, the town where I was in, where I was at college, Kings Lynn, they, um, I went there as a sort of reserve team player really. And then, and then all of a sudden I jumped, like I said, I jumped the levels when I was about 18, 19, I got into the Kings Lynn first team uh at the start of their new season like i said i hadn't really i don't i don't think i've been really a, a, an amazing standout player but i was doing good you know so yeah uh i i i traveled with the first team sat on the bus with the with the experienced pros and watched them play cards all the way to wales and back and <laughs> yeah. things like and things like this you always need the young guys to go and and, and fill the fill the bus with the, the, the bench position. So that's what I did, did my time. But we played Kettering Town in a preseason friendly. Um, and I had a good game and I got a call on the, on the Monday from, um, from Kettering saying that they wanted me to go to Kettering. So uh, this was, um, they were at the time were in the conference, which is now the one league below the professional league, but, almost professional. So uh, I went there and I was there for oh, not long, about three months, but we were top of the conference. Um, I think they call it, I'm not sure if they call it step one now, but it's the fifth tier of English football. Um, and every game that we were playing at Kettering, we were, we were being watched by scouts. We were being watched by, by other clubs and in the dressing room, before the game and in training during the week, we were getting, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the guys were getting kind of excited because they weren't sure who was being watched and what was going on. But we knew that Newcastle and Everton and, and, and other clubs were, were turning up in droves to our games. Um, I had no clue. I had no clue at the time that um, I was one of the ones being watched, but I was a new boy on the scene. Um, and there was another guy called Stan Collymore playing in the same league. Um, and Stan went on to have a fabulous career. Um, so um, he was in the conference at the same time. I think he was, we might be about the same age. Um, and he was standing out really, really well at that time. Uh, I didn't think, I, you know, it was me, right? So, um, but yeah, I got, um, I got a phone call after about three months in. The Kettering manager called me and said, Andy Newcastle want to sign you so I, I didn't really you just you just don't really feel like it's ever, it's going to happen to you let's yeah. put it that way um it's professional football right so you just think that everybody is is, is a genius right and you you think it's not going to happen to me and to be honest I never even really uh considered that that was going to happen to me so yeah, so Newcastle came in for me. I got on the train, drove, uh, went up to Newcastle. They showed me the stadium, um, Jim Smith. And uh, I went in and I sat there in an office and they said, okay, well, here's your contract. Uh, I won't tell you what it was, but um, but they put a piece of paper in front of me and it was it was good. Yeah. And uh, I said, all right. I'm he said, okay, well, sign the, sign the piece of paper. And I said, uh, well... I'm going to go home and think about it for the weekend. And he's Jim Smith nearly fell off his chair. He's like, Andy, he said, if Newcastle came in for me, he said, I would have walked to Newcastle to sign, to sign the contract. 
I said, well, you know, I'm here on my own and, you know, I want to go home and think about it. So I went home for the weekend and I was getting like phone calls every hour from Kettering and from Newcastle. And, you know, are you going to sign? Are you going to sign? Like, I don't know. I don't know. So, but uh, of course I signed and, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was amazing. That was the start of my career. Yeah. I mean, it must have been a great experience for you. You made 43 appearances for Newcastle and scored 11 goals. But just being around a higher level, I mean, uh, making that step must have felt at least a little validating. So my next question for you is just like I said, Newcastle had such a great period of time in the 90s. What was it like being around the club when that period of time was really just start starting to happen? Well, it was it was really so when I joined Newcastle were actually struggling um, and uh, Jim Smith got fired shortly after I signed. Um, hopefully it was nothing to do with me, but uh, yeah, that they were they were having a rough time. Um, and I, when I arrived, it was a huge shock. I mean, I have to say, because you train every day and then you have the whole rest of the day free. You're finished by midday. You go home and you and you sit there and you're just bored, right? Because you've got yeah. nothing to do. Um, you can only train a couple hours a day. Uh, the body can only take so much training. Although some clubs go morning and afternoon, that was very rare back then. In fact, I don't think teams did it 30 years ago. Um, so, you know, uh, Jim got fired and then Ozzy Ardelius came and we... Uh, so I, I really learned with, with Ozzy and it was brilliant because Ozzy, Ozzy was a World Cup winner with Argentina, just an amazing guy, amazing um, coach for attacker, certainly for a striker. He loved to attack, as, as the West Brom faithful will know. Yeah. Um, but his defensive uh, side of the game was, was a little less uh, complete, I think, back then. So we, we used to play some really crazy games where we'd like, you know, win or lose by 7-5 or 6-6 six, six and things mm, like yeah. this. Um, but Ozzy loved it. Um, and he was very encouraging towards the young players. Um, he, he really, um, he really uh, uh, encouraged the young players to get out on the field and just, just play their game and, and, and all that kind of thing. And, and, and you know, so... Um, uh, yeah, so so that was that was um, that was a good period. But then <clears throat> Aussie got Aussie left, went to West Brom. He got fired, and they brought Kevin Keegan in. And uh, Keegan was when he was the England coach and England player. You know, massive uh, character. Yeah. Um, but he didn't he didn't play me. So uh, unfortunately, my time there, when the good things were happening, was limited. Um, yeah. Uh, Keegan didn't didn't uh, um, give me much of a chance, so he sold me to West Brom, which is where Aussie went to. Um, but I have to say, it was great uh, being around Newcastle while they were getting this revival because it's a huge club. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's on the scale of um, the Man United. It's on the scale yeah. of you know the the biggest clubs in Europe with the fan base. They just have a massive fan base. Uh, yeah you know, just, just where they are. Um, and, and I mean, I don't know what the stadium, I went there with Charlton my last year and I think it was 60,000 or something and it was oh, full. Yeah. Um, and we silenced them because yeah. I, I think we beat them one nil, but, um, but 
a huge, huge club. And when it was when it was coming back up again, reviving um, under Keegan's uh, manage, management and Terry McDermott, um, it was an amazing place to be. And you know, they they just had an incredible season. I, it was sad that I wasn't able to be a part of that um, because I sort of really just sat on the sidelines and I did go to to one or two games and sat in the, in the stands. Um, but I know what that's like now for players that don't get on the field and yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't get that chance. But, um, but, you know, every coach has got his, his style and way and, and yeah. it's okay. You know, that's, uh, it happens. I was lucky enough that I got to move on to West Brom and, yeah. um, you know, uh, went, went from strength to strength there. When did you first hear about going to West Brom? So how it worked for me was I was sort of annexed from the first team at Newcastle and I was having a bit of a rough time dealing with that because I just wasn't, I wasn't really ever given a chance to play. Um, and I kind of felt a little bit sorry for myself. Um, so after a little while, I have to say, I let my training, um, uh, slacken off a bit and, um, but I got a phone. I, I got a, a a message to go um, see Keegan at the the uh, St James's Park. Go to his office, and I, so so I went to see him, and he said that they'd had an offer from West Brom, and uh, you know Ozzy was the coach there, and so yeah, they he said you know we 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 we're happy to let you go, uh, and I was happy to go because I wasn't playing. I just I mean. If you're a professional footballer, you want to play football, right? So, um, so I went to to West Brom and uh, met Ozzy and uh, in his office, uh, they invited me down and uh, we 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 had a a meeting. They offered me a contract, and um, it was funny back then because I had an agent uh, uh, help. I mean, everybody thinks they need an agent, and probably some do, some don't. But um, we sat in the meeting and, and, and Ozzy asked the agent to leave the, the room. And I knew Ozzy very well, right? So, but I was still a young guy. I was like 22, 23. Yeah. He said, Andy, we don't have any money at this club. They couldn't even sign me then. I didn't know the, 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 the inside dealings of the, of the contract, but he said, Andy, this agent is not going to get you any more money than we that I'm going to offer you right now. He said, so he doesn't need to be here. Yeah. And I was like, uh, okay. And it's, he's like, so look, I'm just doing, helping you out here and trying to do you a favor because you're going to end up paying this guy and he's not going to get you any more money than, than I can give you. Hmm. So what a stand up fella, not for yeah. the agent, of course, but, um, but, uh, but I'd already kind of said to the guy, well, you know, he, so, so we came in and we did the meeting together anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, it turned out later that, um, that that West Brom really didn't have any money. Yeah. And that they had to take me on loan to the end of the season. So yeah. God knows what kind of deal they had. Maybe they were going to just kick me out if it didn't work out. I, I, I have no idea. I think they agreed to sign me on loan with an agreement to pay 150000 I think it was, pounds yeah. uh, for, for me at the end of the season when they... I don't know when they got some money. That's so yeah, Aussie. So we agreed a contract, and then Aussie. Um, I was 
I stayed there for the night and we went upstairs and uh, uh, went, went and watched, or in the evening I watched the game, yeah. um, sat in the stands and watched the West Brom's game and went back home to Newcastle, grabbed me bags and went back. Yeah. And I became a West Brom player. Yeah, that's a very West Brom thing to do with the signings. They do an awful lot of that, especially in the recent years with the signing a player on loan and then having an obligation to buy later. But anyways, that's neither here nor oh. there. Oh, um, maybe I start. Maybe, I'll maybe you started that trend. Hmm. So as soon as you got yourself back into playing day in, day out, you got into the West Brom team and you made an absolute dream debut having scored a hat-trick at your first home game. What was that experience like? Well, like I, as I touched on a minute ago, I, I, I'd um, been playing with Newcastle, but not really playing. And, and, and I, my, my, my physical uh, conditioning was not as good as it should have been. Um, but I could score goals, you know, I was a good goal scorer. Um, so... Um, I came on as a sub away at Brad, uh, Bradford, I believe, and I scored a header. Uh, yeah. And then, I, was, and I, I mean, literally, I arrived and we were, it was like, you know, training straight into the squad for the first game. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't bring a player in um, unless you, you know, you're not, because they have youth reserve team and stuff. I mean, if you're bringing a player in, you're putting them in the squad. And that, so yeah. that's what happened to me. I was put into the squad. Um, um, West Brom were right on the verge of the playoffs at the time. Yeah. And I, I think it was kind of like what's going on right now. They just drifted out of the top three. Yeah. And um, they needed some kind of Im impetus to get, get it going again. And a striker's always good for that. So, yeah, the home game came around and the I started badly. Um, my fitness wasn't good. I struggled after half time. Was getting booed uh, by the home fans. Can you imagine that on your debut? Yeah. So, so this is this is so this is one of the things that okay, I was a good player, but you 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 really learn uh, who's got something about them because you you gotta you gotta hang in there. Yeah. It's very easy to. I saw it happen at West Brom. I saw players get broken by by the, the the fans getting on their back not just West Brom it happens everywhere you have a couple of bad games but for me it was you know I'm a bit of a stubborn old fool and uh, I, was, I just hung in and, and second half Aussie kept, you have to keep you on the field you can't bring me off after 45 minutes yeah kept me on and I scored three goals in seven minutes I think at the time it was a it was a it was a record for the fastest hat trick um, so one went in then another went in, then another went in, and suddenly we won the game. And of course, you know, You're all's the forgotten. All apart from me, apart from me telling the story over and over again. Yeah. Um, but uh, all's forgotten, and um, suddenly you're a hero. You win the game. You get three points, and that was the start of our epic run to the to Wembley and the playoffs. Yeah. So you touched on a little bit how it could be when things aren't quite going your way, but when things were going West Brom's way in the 90s, when you were there, what was the atmosphere like for you at the Hawthorns? Oh, it was, it was outstanding. We had, uh, we had some really special nights there. Um, the probably, I think the one that goes down in 
history and most West Brom fans will talk about it is the Swansea game, yeah. the second second leg of the playoffs. Um, that, I mean, the whole it was like the stadium was just just rocking. I mean, you know, we win that game, we go to Wembley. Yeah, we win at Wembley, we get promotion. So it and it had been one long party really because when we'd when I'd arrived, they were on the verge of the playoffs. We got in the playoffs, and now we're playing Swan, Swansea in a two leg playoff final, yeah. playoff semi final. And uh, yeah, it was it was just, it was just amazing. I mean, pull up the video if you ever want to watch something and get goosebumps. It was just crazy how 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 that how yeah you've seen the boing boing baggies baggies yeah 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 right the jumping up and down thing and and so the whole stadium was doing this and and we won the game and uh, you know we got the pitch invasion and yeah. you know we got t-shirts and our shorts taken and our socks taken and everything it was kind of a crazy thing but uh got back to the dressing room with a pair of pants on and um you know just just yeah. a wild night but um we, we after that we we were up and down for sure in in the in the in the championship they call it now um and uh have to say we found it a little bit tough going for quite some time but we definitely had some really special um, uh, games, um, and um, yeah, the fans there just, just you know, they just loved it. They just loved the yeah. success, yeah. and the stadiums. The stadium is such a such a tight, compact stadium, and and it creates a, a, a beautiful atmosphere. Um, so yeah, you know, we had some great days. Yeah, and I actually, in research, I watched that the video of both the semi-final and the final last night. And I do have to say, it's one of the greatest atmospheres I've seen from the Hawthorns, at least. Um, it's, a, it's a total shame I wasn't alive to see it. Yeah. Of course, one of your biggest goals for West Brom was in, the, was in the final at Wembley. You scored the very first goal in the 3-0 win against Port Vale. It must have been... Obviously, such an emotional time, like you said, with the last game ending in such a positive way and um, having the pitch invasion. But what was the feeling like to just keep it going and keep carrying on with the success? So it was really hard to, well, actually, it wasn't hard for us as players. It was a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement around the place. Um Everybody wanted an interview, the media, of course, the fans were just coming in. I mean, I've seen pictures of people queuing up to get their tickets uh, for the final, which was just, you know, you're going to Wembley. It's the home of English football, big stadium. You know, every kid in, who plays football in England dreams of playing at Wembley. Yeah. Um, and uh, so... I think West Brom did an amazing job. The, 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 the coaching staff uh, did an incredible job of keeping everything on an even keel because it could have been very easy for us to um, um, get carried away with the emotion of the, of the event. But we're professional footballers and we have to go win that game. Yeah. You know, I don't say we have to. It is our job to go and try win that game. Um, so the fans have the emotion. We, we 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 have to go and do the work on the training ground. Yeah. But I think by that at that time of the year, I, I don't remember the gap how long it was, but at that time, um, 
and now I do a lot of coaching. Um, so I now understand uh, more the psychological side um, yeah. of preparation um, and, and preparation for players um, and the management of players. Uh, and not just players, everybody, you know, everybody involved because even the coaches can get a little bit carried away. Um, the kit man, the, the the wash, the lady doing the what everybody can get, you know, because that's all everybody was going to talk about. Yeah. So Ozzy, Ozzy was for sure the right man for the job. I mean, he kept every training session was just light and fun and enjoyable. He he tried not to 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 put the pressure on us because um, that can easily uh, spill over into training. Um, when the situation is, is 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 becoming more extreme, yeah, it's a big deal. We're going to Wembley, right? It's a yeah. huge deal. But he kept the pressure off us. He kept the training fun. I mean, we used to do a lot of games and hitting the crossbar and rondos and yeah, all this kind of stuff. And you know, it worked. We went to Wembley and we played out really, really well. We played an amazing game. I mean, Port Vale didn't really threaten us much, and and um, yeah, we we controlled that game from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I just again watching the highlights of that game. It's an atmosphere of West Brom fans as I haven't seen in my lifetime. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and of course, you scored the great that header, which it was sort of a pinball goal. The way it worked, obviously, the goalkeeper got his hand to it and it eventually came to you, and it was right into the corner. Was there? Is there any memory of that particular goal or was it just pure adrenaline um, in that moment? Um, so a lot of a lot of goals. So really, it's just a reaction. You're not really that 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 goal was was just um, trying to get my head on it and just trying to guide it and direct it. Uh, fortunately, I was able to get it into the corner uh, just out of the reach of the goalkeeper's hand um most of those things we just did a whole shooting session for an hour last night hour and a half with our players yeah. uh teaching teaching them um how to finish how to react how to stay in the moment how to it's so easy to switch off it's so easy to 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 not react um but you know that's what you that's that's the job that's what you got to do yeah um, and you react you react and that's it you react and you try i mean i i've missed loads i've scored a bunch yeah so um you know so you you, you don't you're not really thinking you're just you're just playing on on i wouldn't say adrenaline but you're just playing on 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 um how would i put it uh you, you're like just playing just pure instinct. Pure instinct. Exactly. You're right. It's pure instinct. And, and, and that's the training. That's what the training does for you. That teaches you uh, to stay in the moment, um, to be stay focused. And, um, you know, the adrenaline is, is gone by, by, I would say, by the start of the game, generally the adrenaline, well, for me, it was anyway, because we have to play the game. So, so you walk out of the stadium at the start of the game. My, my family were there. I met up with a few of them with their faces painted with the West Brom colors. Yeah. And, 
you know, all of this. And I, and I got tickets for a whole bunch of friends from Norfolk who came to the game. Um, so that was an hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. The yeah. ride to the stadium, of course, before that, with sit in the bus, seeing all the fans as you're, as you're driving down Wembley Way, whatever it's called, I can't remember now. But um, that's when the emotion is there. Yeah. Uh, I, I think. Um, but, but you know, you, you, you get in the, you go out on the field, you walk around, you go into the dressing room, suddenly you start to zone in, you start to focus in, you start to realize that there's a, there's, there's work to be done here. Um, and you've got to go out as a team and there's no, you know, so the adrenaline is there, but you control it. Um, and you focus, you, you're, yeah. you're doing your team talks, you're talking to the coach, the coaches are talking to you. They're trying to get you focused in on the game. They're trying to control your emotion. They're trying to control your adrenaline. Yeah. Um, because you you can let it get, you can get carried away with it. If you, if you, uh, you cannot play on adrenaline because it, it, it just overrides your, um, yeah. your, your brain. You, you, you react in the wrong way to everything. Yeah. Um, so you, you have to then, you know, work, work with your skills and instincts. Yeah. So, you speak. You spoke a little bit about just strikers. You played with some great strikers at West Brom. Um, obviously, a person who I've interviewed and I've gotten the chance to chat with a little bit. Paul Pescasolito is one. Also, one big one that all West Brom fans know as Super Bob Taylor. What was it like to play with such a talented uh, just group of players? When I arrived at West Brom, Bob was the the hero. He'd scored, I think, I mean, I think that season he scored like 45 goals, something. I mean, that's just an insane amount of goals to score in one year. Um, so when I arrived, I I was obviously you're you, who you play with, um, you might have chemistry, you might not have chemistry. Um, it, it it depends. Some strikers, we respect each other, but we may not be friends. We might not get on, but blah, blah, blah. But um, there's a few over the years that I've played with that you just really don't have any connection with. Um, but me and Bob just hit it off immediately. We just yeah. we just hit it off. Um, really nice fella. Um, and uh, for, a, a, for a guy that scored 45, you'll probably be able to correct me on how many he got, but... For somebody who scored that many goals in a season, um, his attitude uh, was spot on. He, he did not think he was bigger than every, anybody else. He was he was just uh, fabulous to play with. He didn't um, have a chip on his shoulder. He didn't feel like he needed to be treated special in any way. And I and I say these things because some strikers do, um, yeah. some players do. Um, and Bob didn't have that at all. He never had that, that, that feeling, never gave off that feeling. He was just, just, just a wonderful player. And I learned so much from him because he, he, um, he was, although he was an amazing goal scorer, he was a great team player. So when I went to Newcastle, I played a little bit, but I hadn't really learned the striker's role. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd got on the team, but no one had really taught me yet um, how to play the striker's role. So Bob was that guy. He 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 taught me. Um, he taught 
it wasn't so much that he taught me. We emulate each other. We emulate people that who 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 we look up to, I suppose. Yeah. And of course, I I was I saw Bob as a as as the star of the show. So I and and if I, if someone can score forty five goals, that's good yeah. enough for me. I'll, I'll copy what you're doing, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so so I watched the I was watching how he was playing and and um, he he would run the channels. He would come short. He would keep the ball. He's immensely strong. Um, he could hold the ball up, bring the other team members into play. He was unselfish. So for, for a striker to score that many goals is unheard of to be unselfish. They're normally, yeah. normally they're there to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but but he, he would set me up. Yeah. He would gladly set me up with chances. And so we became a really nice partnership. And I, I, I loved playing with Bob for many years. Sadly, he got, he started to struggle with a few injuries after yeah. a little while uh so our time was cut short a little bit but um um yeah i would say he 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 like i said he he taught me everything about the striker's role initially and of course i refined it over the years with with working with other coaches and players yeah that's great so i have a, actually a question that's an, another fan's question um one of my best mates who is also a content creator for west brom under the name WBA Already Inspired, asked if he if I could ask you, who was the biggest prankster of the West Brom team while you were there? <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. So, so this probably happens in every dressing room, but. Um, we, we did have a very good uh, camaraderie amongst our group, but um, I, do, I do remember um, Darren Bradley nailing Steve Lilwall's trainers to the to the um, <laughs> the wooden bench where we used to to the changing room. So so Steve 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 had these really old trainers that he could, yeah. and everybody keeps saying to him, Steve, you got to change these trainers. You got to change these trainers, right? And uh, running shoes, right? And yeah. um, so, in the end, one day, Brad's nailed the um, the running shoes. To, yeah. To, yeah. Uh, and Steve goes to pick them up, and then I, I see, of course, he, he destroys them trying to get them off and and stuff <laughs> like this. So, so yeah, Brad's Brad's had a wicked sense of humour. Um, we had a good dressing room. Carl Heggs was a was a bit like that. He had a, he had a great sense of humour and. Uh, it was a bit cheeky, I suppose. Yeah, uh, Stevie too. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it must have been a part of the success, right? Because you can't always be serious and on on the ball twenty four seven, else you won't be able to enjoy it. And then you, you not enjoying it won't allow you to put in the proper amount of effort to get the success, right? So, I mean, obviously of course, you're gonna we, have we, fun. We, yeah, no, I mean you're you're with you're with a group every day. Um, and you're you're working to achieve something, but um, you know you have to decompress. You have to, you know, you again because I'm now a coach. I I I I, um, I have a, a a much clearer understanding of this, um, of 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 how um, you have to control, not control. You have to. Um, understand what is going on in, in the dressing room and not every yeah. day has to be an intense day 
So, so you know, you got to have some fun. You got to, you got to enjoy yourselves. It's a group of 24, 25 young guys, you know. So, of course, they're going to yeah. be, they're going to be some arguments. They're going to be some things get out of hand sometimes. They're going to be some stupid things happen. But you, you um, definitely have to have to. You got to enjoy it. I mean, you're playing yeah. professional football, so um, it's it's a wonderful job. And yeah, so we we, you know. Quite often, you have a lot of moments like this at, at, at football clubs. Yeah. So probably the most difficult question I'll ask you today. Obviously, we spoke about Wembley and we spoke about the Swansea game. Would you say, what would you say is your favourite West Brom memory? Well, I think we've already spoken about it. I mean, um, obviously, West uh, Wembley scoring was that's it that's that's the dream exactly right there that's the dream that's every kid's dream in england is to go to wembley and score i think uh it may, maybe it's changed but i don't think so i mean i think that's 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 it that that's what i did you know i mean i could say well you know i scored goals and a hat trick here and blah 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 you know i scored some really nice goals um and and stuff like that but um that has to be it. I mean, on a, on a, we've already spoken about the Swansea game at home and, and the atmosphere and the feeling of that game. Uh, so that was that was amazing. But um, no, I mean, scoring at Wembley, that's it. That that's that's the pinnacle of of a, of a career. Well, you know, I think so. Um, you, you, it's tough to, to 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 beat that. Yeah, and of course, in a game of such um, significance as well, it's one thing, obviously if you had got get, get the chance to play there and it's not a very meaningful game, which there is not an awful lot of not meaningful games at Wembley, but right. But so that's, like, that's, yeah, you know, um, so my very last question for you is just simply, what are you up to now? So uh, after West Brom, I moved to Charlton, had a, had a good time there, but I retired um, early 30, 30 years old, 31. I bought some property in Belize, which is in Central America. Um, we've had a, we've been running a lodge here, an adventure travel company, uh, for many years. But COVID has ended that. Um, so, um, uh, but also along the way, for the last six years, we've been developing a, a program, an academy, and that's going great. We um, we I touched on earlier about you know moving into co the coaching side of things and. So now I'm I'm um, developing a we we have a program we also have a club uh, we've got it's a it's a young team 16 to 21 years old and um, we've been identifying players that we think have potential yeah. um, we've been looking at um, we have a certain way that we like to play we have a certain um, uh, culture if you like that we we want in our club yeah a certain, a certain type of player. Um, so we're looking, we've been trying to find those and, uh, we think it's working. We've got some really nice, uh, the, the football they're playing is, is outstanding. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they're progressing really, really well. We're finding new players as we go along. We're actually communicating now with, um, academies, international academies in England. Yeah, yeah that's great. So got, yeah. So we've got two or three that are. Uh, uh, one actually really wants the two of them really want to partner up with us. So um, we're, we're in discussions with them. 
um, and we'll see if uh, if anything materialises with that. So uh, that, in fact, I've been talking to West Brom today also about going back to visit because uh, I hopefully will be there mid in spring or uh, in mid mid twenty two, depending on the COVID restrictions and all this. Yeah, um, we have a few clubs um, in the UK that that have invited our players to go um, to train with them which is a, going to be a wonderful opportunity. But of course, there are there are going to be certain barriers to that. But that's uh, another story. So, um, yeah, it, it's exciting. And, you know, I, I'm here with my family. My boys, my, my oldest is at university. My youngest is uh, um, he's he's into um, music and arts and he's yeah. 15. He'll be he'll be moving. You know, we'll, we'll be seeing what they're going to do my oldest play, loves football he's playing football and doing well and yeah. my wife and uh, my wife here so so yeah that's that's what I'm up to it's uh, a lot of football nowadays yeah. so um you know I've just finished doing all my performance uh, analysis and scouting courses and uh, and stuff like that so I've started to get um to work a lot with that yeah. which is fascinating and the modern the modern uh, uh, way of, of looking at players and, and and how you assess them talent identification um so big big help and um with with what we're doing with the coaching so yeah that that's basically um in a big nutshell what i'm up to well thank you so much andy for coming on i really appreciate it guys i mean this guy has played for west brom scored some big goals so he's a legend thank you so much for coming on Thank you, Baden. Wonderful interview. Great work and, 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 and keep it, keep it up. Thank you for listening to the WBA Canada podcast. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at WBA Canada for the latest updates and news regarding West Brom from a Canadian's perspective.